Hello and welcome to the Pulpiteer Podcast, an audio online ministry of Pastor Andy Kroll and St. John's Pilgrim United Methodist Church. You can visit us online at pilgrimunchurch.com or you can visit my blog at thepulpiteer.com for more sermons and writings. So we had like 14 people here in the first service and it would be a little bit smaller this service and had some stuff I wanted to say to the the whole church in the sermon. So I thought, well, what are we going to do? Well, it's... Maybe we'll just do a little bit of a Bible study and look at Matthew chapter 3. It's the um, week of the Christian calendar year where we remember the baptism of Jesus. And so we're going to just look at that story. And I'll um, just open this time with prayer. Gracious God, um, we thank you for the gift of your word, of of Scripture. I pray, Lord, that uh, as we look at that today, that you would speak to our hearts. that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes and have us see what you'd need us to see and, and hear what you'd need us to hear. And we pray, God, that uh, you would just continue to bless us uh, through your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the lectionary reading is um, verses 13 to 17, but I want to give you a little bit of background going into that um, and see what's going on. So I'm just going to start with the first part of chapter 3 and just read on through and kind of, we'll kind of pause as we go and, and uh, think about these things. So in chapter 3, it begins, In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, has come near. So we begin um, immediately with, oh, and then I'll read verse 3. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the ways of the Lord, make his path straight. So we begin immediately um, with, this, with John the baptizer going out into the wilderness and proclaiming a message. And his message is, repent, repent. And repent means, uh, it's, it's meaning literally you're, you're turning around. You're, you're heading one direction and repent means, you're, well, now we're going to go this way. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God has come near. So the, the direction you're going with your life, you turn and go the other way. And I think... Um, Culturally, we uh, sometimes suffer uh, an understanding of repentance that is lacking a little bit, uh, because I think we think that you can repent in your mind and your heart, but not necessarily in your actions. But for the for the Hebrew people, it would be like it's a whole life orientation, and so we're going the wrong direction, and we're called to to turn and to go a different direction, to go the direction that um, God would have us go, and so. This uh, action, this work that John is doing, is a work that is calling people to repentance. And it continues with verse 4. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. Everyone knows leather belts go with camel hair. And his food was locusts and wild honey, delicious. And the people of, Judea, of Jerusalem and Judea were all going out, for him, out to him all along the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So John's uh, physical description is actually um, pointing us back to the prophet Elijah. And it becomes pretty clear that John is, is, is a prophet. And I know we think of prophets as the foretelling the future. But really the job of the prophets was to call the people back to God. 
We were to call the kings back to God. And so that's what he's doing is he's calling people to God. And it makes sense, right, with the whole message of repentance. Like, hey, guys, you're all, we're all going the wrong direction. We need to turn around and go the way God would have us go. And so it's a, a message of repentance to the Jewish people. And he's out in the wilderness. And so there's all of the symbolism going on of, of this guy who's out there. And then Matthew makes sure to tie it in so we don't miss it. Like he quotes uh, Isaiah. And so you have this prophetic message and it says, and this is the guy who's to come to prepare the way for the guy. And so all of this is just saying there's all of these things going on, all of this uh, stuff from the Old Testament being pulled in. John uh, is really, um, John is really, he's kind of like got one foot in the Old Testament, one foot in the New Testament. He's really a, a bridge type character that's, that's um, calling the, the uh, Jewish people, the people of Israel, to faithfulness in God. And so then uh, calls them, and they come out to the Jordan River and they're baptized, which um, they, since baptism has been a, a Christian thing for, you know, two millennia, we'd be like, oh yeah, sure, they haven't baptized. But then you don't, like, read about that in the Old Testament. So this is, there's something new kind of going on here. And it was a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And so specifically, like, one of the things you may not have thought about is... Um, John the Baptist's baptism was different than Christian baptism. I don't mean it was like anti-Christian baptism. It just, Jesus did the thing later and first. John's baptism was uh, for a really specific thing. And he was baptized, he was calling the Jewish people back to God, as a prophet would. And this baptism was a part of that. And I think some of what's behind in the background of, of the baptism stuff is a ceremonial washing. It used to be the case that if you were a Gentile, if you were outside of the people of Israel, um, you could join into the Jewish faith and there's a whole process you'd go through and towards the end of that process would be a ceremonial washing um, so that you could then be cleansed and then enter into the people. Um, This baptism is, is kind of like that. And so part of what I want you to think about is you have this prophet in the wilderness and Jewish people are coming out to him and he's kind of sort of suggesting they're not really Jews. Like, you need to turn and you need to go towards God, folks. I know you're the people of God, but this isn't the way you're going. You need to repent. And then even as far as to go through this ceremony that it's kind of suggesting that now you're entering into the people of God. Does that make sense? Now, if that's going on with the Jewish people where it's kind of being suggested that they're not really Jews and there's this religious ceremony, whose attention do you think that's going to grab? The religious leaders. Good. I know the right answer in church is almost always Jesus, but sometimes it's the religious leaders is the answer. And so then we see uh, in verse 7, But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, then he said to them, <laughs> and this is where John is, just fun to read. You brood of vipers. So there's some things that uh, carry over for 2,000 years and some don't. Turns out being called a snake wasn't good then either. Like that's, that was a bad thing. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? <laughs> and uh, yeah. He, and then he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. In other words, you know, it's not just about coming out here and going through the motions, but there should be fruit in your life that shows that the tree is different. I mean, that, that you've repented, that you're going a, a different direction. And then he says in verse 9, Do not presume to say to yourselves, 
we have Abraham as our ancestor. So again, you get into this. You can't say, look, it's not, you can't just say, I come from the right bloodline. You may have heard the, the saying that God has no grandchildren, only children. And so you can't say, hey, grandma was real faithful. Surely I'll get into heaven. You know, that's not the way it works. Um, that, that you have to have a living relationship with God. And, and so he said, look, it's not just about being the right ethnicity or coming from the right bloodline. Um, he says, don't presume to say we have Abraham as our ancestor. He says, because I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John's not like the friendliest of guy. Like there's an implied threat there. He's saying, look, if this whole thing that you're doing if you're going to call yourselves the people of God and this whole religious structure, if you think that's going to do it and then you're going to behave as not the people of God, God will come and chop the whole thing down and he can transform these stones into people that will be his people. It'll work out for him. <laughs> not so much for you, right? And so uh, it's a, a pretty stark and, uh, calling of um, people to be serious about following God. And saying that, you know, things aren't going well. This needs to turn around and go the right direction. Then he continues, I baptize you with water for repentance. Again, John is is really clear about what his baptism is about. Baptism with water for repentance. Then he says, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um. John is also very clear. Uh, he's, he's such a powerful figure in the New Testament uh, because he's clear as much as his movement was catching on and, and all of the stuff going on, he was really clear that it wasn't about him. He was to prepare the way for Christ. And he says, look, I'm here to, to um, proclaim a baptism of repentance with water, but there's one that I'm not even worthy to to be around, and, and he's coming. He'll baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. Fire is symbolic of judgment. It's also symbolic of cleansing. And uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, of course, as Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again, uh, as he, after he ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit. And God's presence through the Holy Spirit is present with us in a way that it wasn't prior to that. And so um, we see something's coming from Jesus' ministry. So you get this really fascinating thing where John is out in the wilderness, and this goes back to the, um, the verse 3 where he's citing Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord. He literally sees, like, this is what he's supposed to do. Call people to repentance to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And then he goes on to talk about the one who's coming after him, and he means Jesus. His winnowing, he, his winnowing fork in his hand, he will clear his threshing floor, will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Happy Sunday. Head on home. That's um, but one of the things that happens with Jesus is there really is this division. Is, you know, it really comes down to who do you believe he is? And there's just kind of this separation, this winnowing that happens from that. Now, I want you to have all of that background of what John's doing, the baptism of repentance, of um, him, how he views Jesus, how he views his role in the whole thing. Because you have to have that context to, I think, really grasp the conversation that comes next. Verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. That seems weird, doesn't it? What's John's baptism about? 
repentance from sin. Does Jesus need to do that? What is he doing? And then there's this whole like undercurrent of like you need to be a true Jewish person that's really living that life. Like, is that Jesus' problem? He's literally the Son of God born into the lineage of David. Like, he's who he needs to be. And, and it's really strange. And, and then, does it make sense that, that John does this whole thing of like, the one coming after me is a ton greater than me. And so then Jesus shows up, the one a ton greater than John, and says, hey, I need you to baptize. Does that make any sense at all? And so... John's next comment, or the next thing John does, makes perfect sense. It says, uh, John would have prevented him. Of course he would have. Because he's like, what is going on here? Why would I be baptizing you? And John said, I, John said, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it's proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. When Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. One of the cool things about the baptism stories of Jesus is they're very Trinitarian. And so you see the Trinity at work in the baptism. You see the Son is baptized. You hear the voice of the Father from heaven and you see the Holy Spirit come down like a dove. And just within this, you see um, the three persons of the Trinity. Which, I mean, just, as a <clears throat> just as an aside, it may seem obvious, but it may be kind of funny. It, apparently, Jesus made the right choice because, like, heaven broke open, a voice came down, the dove came. Like, it was the right thing to do. Turns out Jesus was right. So there's that. Um, maybe a good thing to remember. Like, you can chuckle about it. But then, like, how many of us are in a spot with John where, like, I don't know, Jesus, I think maybe I got a better idea about this, right? But then it turns out Jesus is right, you know. Um, so what's going on here? And, and I think um, the, the best way that I've understood where the why did Jesus need to be baptized and what's going on is um, Jesus comes down to, to step into the human story for us and, and to live it as we were supposed to live it. Because if you think about repentance... Um, you know, talk about a total reorientation of your life. Like, who of us doesn't sin? Who of us can perfectly repent and then totally go the right direction after that? You know, who of us is actually living perfectly as the perfect people of God? And it's like, Jesus, the answer is none of us, by the way. Those are rhetorical questions. And, and so then Jesus comes down and steps into that to do that, to, to like pick up our story for us to pick up our story for us, to come in and repent on our behalf. To, he's, it's like he's got all of humanity on him and he's going to repent for us because we're not strong enough. And so like with all of humanity on him, Jesus is pointing this direction. And with that, you see, he's, he's not only, he's like representative and healing this whole human project, being the true image of God. And it's like as he does that, as he goes through this baptism of repentance, and it's almost like symbolically reorienting humanity back towards God, and then, and then the heavens open. God speaks, and the Holy Spirit comes down. 
It's like a key unlocked and, and the heavens open. And one of the things that brings to mind for me is, you know, it makes me wonder what was lost with the fall into sin. Like what did that brokenness between humanity and God, what was lost in that? And I think we get a glimpse because Jesus in that act of baptism, it's like a little bit of that was recovered. For a moment, we get a glimpse of God talking with humankind again, of the Spirit of God with us and, and, and the perfect image of God there living as, as he ought to do. We see Jesus lives the life that we should have lived. And he steps into our story and into our history for us. Um, it's interesting that um, as far if you think about this, it's, it's called a, a theory of recapitulation. Jesus is recapitulating the human story and specifically Israel's story. It's like he's re, it's retelling it, redoing it. And you can see this with baptism because you know what comes right after the baptism story in, in Matthew? You see verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. How long does he spend there? 40 days. Why is the number 40 significant in the wilderness? It's, you, Sunday school? <laughs> it's a, it's, the Jewish people were in the wilderness 40 years, right? So I want you to so think about what's going on there. Jesus is passing through the waters and then going into the wilderness. What does that sound like? Passing through the Red Sea, going into the wilderness. It's almost like Jesus is literally reliving this. Now, how did Israel do in the wilderness, by the way? So you know the answer, right? Um, but again, did Jesus fail in the wilderness? It's, again, Jesus living our story and doing it right and fixing it. And so you see, as Jesus steps in and repents in our place, as Jesus goes out and and kind of undoes our mess, in his baptism you get this foreshadowing of the cross where Jesus dies in our place, takes the punishment that we should have received. And does that so that we can be fixed. So that we can have life. And so that that relationship that Jesus has where the heavens open and the voice of God calls out and the Spirit of God descends, like that can be our relationship. Not because we've lived it right, but because Jesus stepped in and lived it right for us. And in doing so, he offers to repair that brokenness within us. All of us have those gaps where we're not enough. All of us have those spots where our story, in our story where we have fallen short. And one of the things going on in Jesus' baptism is a reminder that Jesus has stepped into our gaps, that Jesus heals our story, that Jesus forgives our sins. And what that means is that we can be forgiven not only in theory, but in actuality, and the heavens break open, and the voice of God comes down and says, you now are my beloved, and I am pleased with you. And the Holy Spirit descends and dwells in us, and it is well with our soul. In the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.